Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Maradero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep. Marinero, the sick podcast following the Montreal Canadiens huge, huge 3-2 win in overtime versus the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Canadians hold a two games to one series lead over Vegas. Joining me on the sick podcast from the Montreal Gazette newspaper, sports columnist Stu Cowan. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well, Tony. How are you? Just like we all predicted, right? <laughs> oh, man. What I saw last night at the Bell Center, absolutely un- Stu, I don't know about you, a game that Vegas had completely dominated up until the overtime where the Canadians really showed up. But I'm watching that game, and as terrible as the Canadians were, they're in it, they're in it, they're in it. And I looked over at my family and I said, I'm telling you, if they win this game, I think they're going to end up winning the Stanley Cup. It was it was just remarkable. And I got a text from a buddy of mine today who's always – all over Carey Price, dumping on Carey Price. He sent me a text. He says, next time I'm dumping on Carey Price in the future, please tell me to shut up. It was, a, it was, you know, that's why Mark Bergeron gave him the contract he did. Uh, as I've said, there's, there's regular season Carey Price and there's playoff Carey Price. And this is playoff Price as good as we've ever seen him. Kept them in the game. Uh, it was, it, they had no business being in that game. I mean, it should have been over after the first period. They were outshot 17 to three in the first period. Some really good scoring chances. Uh, outshot again in the second period, totally outplayed. Uh, but Terry Price kept his team in there long enough for them to come back. And then, uh, you know, that tying goal with Marc-Andre Fleury, it's like you know, maybe the forum ghosts did come finally find their way to the Bell Center. It's hard to explain how else that play happens. I don't know what Marc-Andre Fleury was doing behind the net, but if anybody else has a better explanation than that, maybe it was a forum ghost came back and gave him a little nod, nudge on his stick or something. But uh, what a memorable game, and yeah. uh, boy, it's going to be interesting to see how this affects both teams, how much the Canadians can ride off of this, and how much this might play in Mark andre Fleury's head going forward. Yeah, the SICK Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Go to myessentia.com slash sickpod and see why Essentia is the mattress of choice for many athletes, including over 25% of professional hockey players. Use code SICKPOD for a free pillow with your purchase, Essentia. Beyond organic sleep, at one point it looked like the Vegas Golden Knights were really putting the Canadians to sleep, Stu. The shots on goal were 12 to nothing. The shots on goal after the first were 17 to 3. The shots on goal after the second were 30 to 8. And that's why I said what I said, that if the Canadians win that game, when I saw the way they were getting outshot, then anything can happen. And it was scoreless after the first and it was tied at one after the second. And I'm watching this and I'm like, is Vegas this good? Are the Canadians really this bad? Or did the fact that Dominic Ducharme was not behind the bench affect the Montreal Canadiens that much? What's your take? Well, I think the Golden Knights might have put Marc-Andre Fleury to sleep too. Maybe that explains what happened with that last goal. He said he only had eight shots after two periods. Um, I think the... Uh, I think the coaching thing probably did have an impact. I think emotionally, a lot of guys must have been wondering, like, man, do I maybe have COVID also? You know, there was a coach's meeting in the morning uh, with Ducharme was part of and Brossard. So I think there was a lot of things going through these guys' heads saying, 
know, Ducharme had both vaccines also. Like, can I maybe get this? Uh, what's going to happen? And then just behind the bench, I don't want to say there's confusion, but just probably just an adjustment of uh, Luke Richardson running the lines. He had Sean Burke running the defense, which he hasn't done before. Uh, so the, a little bit of that. Uh, but Carey Price was there. And Carey Price is the reason the Canadians won. Carey Price is the reason the Canadians uh, got past the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, he played well against Winnipeg. His team helped him out a lot, obviously, with the yeah. But it was just uh, a lot of things yesterday. And, and what a what a bonding moment for this Canadians team to win a game like that. Yeah. Uh, seen on the bench uh, after Josh Anderson scored. And there's Cole Caulfield hugging him and patting him on the head. Like, almost like saying, I told you you were going to score. Yeah. Some Cole Caulfield being the veteran and Josh Anderson the kid. So there's just something really special happening with this team. The bond between the young guys and the old guys. Uh, you know, Corey Perry taking that stick in the face and then yeah. coming back out afterwards, probably while he was still getting stitched up to celebrate with his teammates. So there's, there's something special happening here. Yeah. You know, I, I'm old enough to remember last time the Habs won the Cup in 93, and there's a lot of similarities. Well, there is. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. But first off here, uh, cheers to you, Stu Cowan. Uh, Cherry River Heart Seltzer by uh, Group Geloso. Uh, you can find them in all grocery stores. And this one here is uh, a mix of black cherry and cranberry. Uh, only 4% alcohol and only 90 calories. Uh, very, very little sugar in this one. Uh, two grams only. Uh, I love this stuff. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Okay. Um, let's get back to a series of events in this hockey game. Number one, the Canadians go down by a score of one to nothing when Nicholas Roy scores that goal unassisted, uh, not Eric Stahl's finest moment, where he comes around the net and puts it up and over Carey Price. At that point, the Canadians are looking for a spark, and they get it when Nick Suzuki sends Cole Caulfield off to the races. Stu, this is what everyone's been talking about this kid. He's a goal scorer, and there's a lot of players that would have got that breakaway last night, and the puck is up, and he's trying to settle it down, and somehow they're going to put it in the goalie's pads. Where does he put that one? Up and over Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm telling you, I think that I'm going to get early prediction. Are you ready? Yep. Next season, Cole Caulfield is the rookie of the year in the National Hockey League. It's a good possibility. I mean, he put that one right where your uh, our buddy Knuckles Nyland says up with the peanut butter. And he, things, yeah. he, made, it, he made it look so easy. Like, it's, it's, that's not, that move isn't that easy. He just made it look so simple. And as you said, the pass from Nick Suzuki, and you know, earlier in the period, Nick Suzuki almost got decapitated uh, when he got caught at Santa Rice uh, with that big hit. He got up, picked himself up, and just kept continuing on playing. And it was a couple of years ago, uh, after the Canes had drafted uh, Caulfield, and we were in Vancouver with the Canadians, and Mark Bergeron was just holding, a, holding an informal scrum with a bunch of guys who were on the road covering the team. And he was asked, you know, about you know Caulfield coming up and what he had thought about it. And he sort of said, you know, in his mind, he had pictured him playing with Suzuki. He figured they'd be a, a good mix. And now we're seeing it live and in person, what he was sort of thinking about uh, at the time after he drafted him. So there's such a connection there. And with Toffoli, what a perfect mix for a line. Yeah. Uh, you know, the veteran experience, uh, they see Toffoli spoke about how they, they get along on the ice, they get along off the ice. Uh, you know, Tyler Toffoli in that Players' Tribune story talked about how Cole Caulfield has that it factor. And he hasn't seen a lot of guys in the NHL who ever had that it factor. And we saw that it factor with that goal. Cole Caulfield is just a natural goal scorer. But what's impressed me too, not just his goal scoring ability, his playmaking ability. Yeah. His hockey IQ, 
uh, how hard fast he bounced. Hands, fast hands, fast passes, fast shots. Fast everything. Because, you know, watching yeah. him play uh, university hockey on TV, you don't get the full, you know, it's not like watching it live. But, I mean, you, you look quick, but he's playing against NCAA guys. But he looks quick in the NHL. He's quick. He's got two quick steps and he's gone. And he's really smart. And we've seen it with Dom Ducharme and, and you know, last night with Luke Richardson. They're yeah. not afraid to put him on the ice in any kind of situation. They'll put him on the ice when they're losing by a goal, uh, when they're up by a goal. Uh, you know, well, he's had a lot of ice time. Uh, he's just he's a really, really good hockey player. Uh, the Canes took, I don't want to say a risk. You know, when he fell to 15th in the draft, the only reason was his size. But, you know, guys that size, that they, they've been small their whole life. They learn how to play it that way. And I think yeah. having Gallagher on the team is going to help Cole Caulfield. I'm sure Brandon will be teaching him little tricks about how to, how to you know, win one-on-one battles, how to avoid getting hit really hard and stuff like that. But Cole Caulfield, boy, what a, you know, it's hard to believe still that he was a healthy scratch the first two games of the playoffs. But, man, does he look good. And that goal, that goal he just made it look too easy. That, that, that move isn't that easy. It was amazing, really. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter um, at the Sick Podcast. It is the Sick Podcast. I'm Tony Marinero. He's Stu Cowan. A shout out to Excellent Photo, centrally located in Montreal, close to downtown shopping and universities. Ships to all of Canada professional staff at the store and online to help you choose the gear you really need. Excellentphoto.ca. That picture of that goal, um, the goal that puts Vegas up by a score of two to one by Alex Petrangelo, who scores again. He scored in every game. In this series, Stu, the second he scores that goal on a wrist shot that beats Carey Price for our side, albeit, but the way Carey Price was playing, I tweeted out, oh, no, Carey, not because only it was a bad goal, but because I kind of felt really bad for him, right? He had stood on his head and he had made some amazing saves. And that one there, when Price is playing the way he's playing, he should have had. I almost thought at the time, I thought this is going to be it. This is... This is the one that hurts, right? It's one that shouldn't go in. I'm not so sure the Canadians are going to be able to recover from this. There were 3,500 fans. They weren't overly noisy. Were you in the building last night, Stu? I wasn't. It's the most quiet I've heard it since they had fans back, especially in that third period. I think I think fans had given up. Uh, yeah. you know, they, they thought that the way the Canes were playing, as you said, you know, Price has to stop that shot. He'd be the first to tell you that. But, I mean, how many – amazing saves that he make in that game. Yeah. But it should have been should have been four nothing after the first period. But I think it was a bit of a letdown for the fans and probably on the bench too, the guys like, oh man, and you know, you can't get mad at Carey Price. He's the only reason you're still in the game. But uh, he made a few big saves after that also when it was still two one to keep them in it. And then whatever happened to Marc Andre Fleury, as I said, the ghosts or whatever, uh, they got that break. And when I went to overtime, I was mentioning earlier how it's starting to feel like ninety three or we all know yeah. they won 10 straight overtimes. And yeah. they went into overtime. I was sort of thinking to myself, they're going to win. They're, they're going to win. Just it's whether it's hockey gods or whatever it is, the momentum is just, yeah. You just had a feeling. And, and, win. and Carey Price not going to give up two bad, two goals no. in a row, right? Like it's just, no. it's, you probably thought the feeling, you just thought he was going to redeem himself after giving up that bad goal. And he did. He made a huge stop off Alex Tuck, which was unbelievable. But anyway, the ghosts of the forum coming back to the Bell Center. You talked about Marc-Andre Fleury. Let's watch it again. Yeah, it really has. I mean, Vegas is just not giving Montreal much of anything. A fumble, and they score! Fleury gave it away to Josh Anderson, and the game is tied. It makes a difference. Vegas isn't giving Montreal much of anything, and Marc-Andre Fleury does that. Man, um... 
that's one of the worst mistakes I've ever seen him made. And we're talking, you know, we're we're talking about one of the best clutch goalies of all time here. Yeah, I don't know what he was trying to do. I mean, I've watched the replay 50 times. And I'm like, what was he doing? Like, he was almost trying to play it between his legs. Like, who was he giving it to? Like, there were so many simple options there. He could have gone either way along the boards. Uh, you know, whatever. Like, that was the only bad thing he could really do. And and you wonder, like, what was he thinking? What was – there was nobody forcing him. There was nobody yeah. on him. He just had to fire it around the boards, whichever direction. Anderson wasn't on him. Anderson was cutting in front of the net. Yeah. And luckily he did for the Canadians. Sure. ended up right there. I'm happy that it was Anderson that scored it because up until that point, I have to admit, I'm pretty disappointed with what Josh Anderson had brought to the table for the Canadians these playoffs. We all know how big he is. We all know how strong he is. We all know how dominant he can be. He showed his flashes in the regular season. He didn't in the playoffs. He scored the first goal of that series versus Toronto. Hadn't scored since, and then he gets that goal. But Anderson last night was skating, was going to the net, was crashing the net. He was trying to make things happen. And you just you had a feeling that something good was going to happen with Anderson last night. And it did, not once, but actually twice. And we'll get to the second one uh, in a second here. But I thought Anderson played well last night. Especially in overtime. You know, hockey players, they all talk about confidence, right? How important it is, how hard it is to get it. And when you lose it, you know, how hard it is to get it back and keep it. So after he scored the first goal in the overtime, right from the start of the overtime, Anderson was really noticeable. He was flying out there. There was one shift, went in hard on the forecheck, big hit behind the net, turned on the Jets, first guy back on the back check, got the puck. He was just, he was flying out there. So I think he got that, that goal as much as it was a gift, gave him a confidence boost. I talked earlier about Cole Caulfield sort of hugging him on the bench, and uh, it just lit a spark under him. It really did. He, he really came out in that overtime flying, and it was he was rewarded for it by, by getting that goal. And, boy, what a pass by Paul Byron. You know, around the Canadians on a, on a day-to-day basis, or at least before COVID, in yeah. the room, Paul Byron is one of the nicest uh, guys you will ever meet, just a down-to-earth, Really, just a good guy. Just a really He's a good, good man. Guy. The guy you would want to have as your neighbor or your friend or uh, type of guy that seems you want your daughter to marry type of thing. Just a yeah. really good guy. So if I could take it a step forward, a guy who took it very personally that he was put on waivers three times this season, it hurt him. And he it affected his right pride. Things. He said all the right things, but I'm sure it did. And he's one of the few. I think, I think him and Drew are probably the only two guys who live in Montreal year-round. You know, he has a home on the South Shore. He stays here year-round. His kids are involved in sports on the South Shore. He's part of the community here, and he loves it here. And his wife, who's French-Canadian, loves it here. And, you know, Byron goes out of his way. He does interviews in English and French. He's, he's, he's a real – he wears – you know, he's a proud, proud, proud Canadian. Yeah. As much as he said all the right things and he understood it was a salary cap move and what – in the back of his mind, he's got to be wondering, like, where am I going? My family likes it here. You know, I want to be a Canadian. Uh, luckily for the Canadians, nobody claimed them. The Canadians said it was only a salary cap move and they were hoping nobody would claim them. But I'm sure in the back of Mark Bergevin's mind, he wouldn't have minded if somebody claimed Byron and they could clear that salary. Stu, think about this for a second. They say you got to get lucky along the way, right? And obviously they have. And by the way, every team does, all right? So if you're going to call me and tell me that the Canadians are where they are because they're lucky, there's an element of luck for every team and every tournament, every game, every sport. You're not going to tell me that as good as Tom Brady is and as good as the Patriots were, that they never got lucky. Okay, please stop. Yeah. Think about what would have been for the Canadians had Paul Byron been claimed off waivers. And he's not there to score that goal that he scores versus Toronto. 
He's not there to set up Josh Anderson the way he did. He's not there to score that game-winning goal in game two in Vegas. Think about it. If Bob Byron is picked up on waivers, the Canadians are probably eliminated in round one. He's a character guy, as I said. And, and, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm like 6'3 and 220 pounds. And I stand beside Byron in the locker room. He's a small – I mean, he's, he's built. He's, he's, you know, he obviously spends a lot of time with but he's just a little guy. And he doesn't back down from anyone. He's, he's not afraid to take a hit. He's not afraid to go to the dirty areas. Uh, you know, he had that concussion there a couple of years ago when he took on a fight he never should have taken on, given up so much weight. But he's just, as I said, he's a heart and soul guy. And yeah. um, credit to him that he, he didn't let everything that happened to him this year get him down and didn't affect his play. And when he got back in the lineup, it was more a case, I'm going to show you yeah. why you shouldn't have put me on waivers and why you should keep me here. And, uh, you know, the speed he has, the way he kills penalties and whatnot, uh, he's been through injury issues, and but never said a bad word about the Canadians, never, you know, just a class guy. And as you're right, and, you know, would they be where they are now without him? And luck yeah. goes into every sport. When the Canadians won 10 overtime games in 93, you don't think that was lucky? You know, when they won the overtime game against Toronto this year, when they were outshot 13-2 to two in overtime, of course you're lucky. It's lucky bounce here, lucky bounce there. Uh, yeah. It's part of sports. It's part of every sport. Of course it so, is. And, and the thing is, you got to take advantage of that luck. And the Canes did that last night. They got the lucky goal to tie it up. They took advantage of it, and they won an overtime. He's Stu Count of the Montreal Gazette. I'm Marinero. It's the Sick Podcast. A shout-out to sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and more. Use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of their items. All right. Uh, during this video podcast, and you can listen to it on all social media platforms from an audio perspective as well, but I'm wearing a shirt. I want to show it to you. All right. Is this a joke? One of my uh, very famous sayings, I think. Thank you very much. What am I talking about? And why am I wearing this shirt? Look at this one incident that happened in overtime. And it happened to Corey Perry. March 94 in red. He'll get a stick right there from Marcia So. We'll just swing. Marcia So high sticks Corey Perry in the nose. Draws blood, blood everywhere. Corey Perry looks over at the referee and says, what in the world is going on here? He has to go back to the locker room. They stitch him out. He comes back by the time they score the goal to celebrate with his teammates and stuff like that. That was obvious as obvious can be, Stu. Now, there's a lot of talk, you know, in game two, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights were not called for a single penalty. I thought in game three, McNabb should have been called a couple of times for some what I thought were boarding calls or dangerous hits. I mean, opinions vary. What did you make of the way the game was officiated last night? And more importantly, what do you make of the non-call on what was an obvious high stick to Corey Perry in the face? Well, I tweeted last night during the game, the NHL should be embarrassed by its officiating. It's just, it's bad all the time in the playoffs. Last night, it might be the worst officiated game I've ever seen. It was just horrendous. You know, where I was sitting in the press box last night, I had a perfect view. I was looking right down on, on Perry when he took the, the high stick in the face. And the referee, it didn't show really in, in that video clip, the ref was standing right there looking right at it. He saw it. He saw him get it in the face. Perry got up and showed him the blood, and he didn't call it. Something, something has to be done. You cannot have four officials on the ice, cameras everywhere, the guy's bleeding, access to all kinds of technology and video technology and such an important game in the playoffs 
And listen, I don't know. I don't want to talk about a fix. I, I'm, 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 I've wired myself not to try and believe in stuff like that. But watching this series, I just can't help but think that if the national, that the National Hockey League would rather want, you know, if you gave them the choice, Vegas in the final over Montreal with eighteen thousand strong, and it being the city of Vegas. So once again, I'm not, I don't want to accuse anybody. Really, I don't. But I, I just I'm starting to have a bad feeling watching this all unfold. I don't like going down that road also, but a lot of people are, and, and it's understandable. When you look at, you know, how do you play a full playoff game and not get a single penalty? Like nobody hooked anybody or nothing. It's a, it's a, and the thing that people are talking about it is bad for the NHL. Now, the NHL is, wants to get in bed with legal gambling, and people aren't going to bet on a sport if they, they start wondering if the officiating. And what happened earlier this season with that NHL rep who got caught on a mic basically saying he made a call that, you know, just sort of an even up type of thing. That's bad. And as bad as the refereeing was last night, if those two referees that were on the ice last night are allowed to referee another game in this playoffs, I'm going to read your shirt there. Is this a joke? Yeah. Those two guys should not referee another game in the playoffs. Just that one call on, on Perry alone. If, if Corey Perry had accidentally flipped the puck over the glass, he would have got a penalty. Automatic penalty. It doesn't make sense. So why, isn't, why isn't high sticking a guy in the face and drawing blood an automatic penalty? Four minutes. It should be. That's what it says in the rule book. The referee this, saw it. It was obvious. This league doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, you know what? I think of the adversity the Montreal Canadiens have played through in these playoffs. It's really unbelievable. All the injuries they had down the stretch in the regular season. Uh, this is a team that fired their coach, fired their associate coach, fired their goalie coach. We talked about that. The injury to Carey Price, Phil Deneau, Thomas Tatar, Brendan Gallagher, Ben Sherratt, Shea Weber. Phil, uh, I'm probably missing a few there down the stretch. Then they get into the playoffs. Their share of injuries in the playoffs as well. And Jake Evans and the concussion list goes on and on. And Dominic Ducharme tests positive for COVID after being dual vaccinated. I mean, it, you, 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 this is incredible. For the second year in a row, the Canadians are having key playoff games coached by their assistant coaches. Last year, their associate coach. This year, their assistant coach. Can you believe what's going on here? I, I don't know if you remember. There used to be a TV series, Lance Lance Lacan. Yes. TV, and yeah. uh, it was it was a draft. It was Rajon Tremblay wrote it. Yeah. A hockey soap opera. If Rajon Tremblay wants to bring that series back, he doesn't have to write anything. He just follow the script of the Canadians this year from you know, the, the crazy schedule, as you say, firing the coach, uh, firing the goalie coach in the middle of a game, uh, player testing positive for COVID, coach testing positive for COVID. Yeah. Storylines just go on and on and on and on. You so know, what do you, hold on a second. What are you telling me? That uh, Yvonne Ponton, who played the role of Jacques Mercier, is going to be the next coach if someone tests positive here. Nino! Nino! You're a chandai que je veux pouvoir essayer. C'est numéro 13. Décembre. Exactly. And, and it's, you know, everything. I mean, uh, you know, the Jonathan Drew, everything that's happened to this team. Yeah. And we were talking about Corey Perry. If, if they lose that game last night, we're all talking about how the Kings got robbed. They should have had a power play. And they did get robbed. They should have a power play. But they yeah. won. So what would have been a negative thing for the Kings, I think, is now a positive thing. Imagine what it means to a young kid like Cole Caulfield. You see Corey Perry. He was obviously in the back getting stitched up. I heard he had 12 stitches. But wow, back out. Like, that's that's a slap shot scene. Yeah. Never lost a coat. Uh, just to see that and, and the – 
Uh, you know, Corey Perry, what an impact he's had on this team. I, mean, I have so much respect for this player, Stu. I don't remember when was the last time I bought a hockey jersey. As you know, ever since we entered the media, we try our very best to be neutral, even though we're working in the city. We're covering the team in the city that we live in and all that stuff. But I have to tell you something. Corey Perry's 36 years old. He may play another season in the National Hockey League. I feel like going out and buying this jersey. Well, Brendan Gallagher's been the heart and soul of the Canadians for a long time. And I think right now, Corey Perry is the heart and soul of the team. That's not taking anything away from Brendan Gallagher. Brendan Gallagher is a heart and soul guy. He gives you everything he has every time. But Corey Perry, you know, before game five against the Leafs, he's one of the guys who got up and made a speech to the players saying, don't take this for granted. You never know when or if you're ever going to get back to this situation in your career. Speaking from his own experience, you know, he won a cup uh, with uh, Anaheim when he was only 22. Figured what happened all the time last year. Got to the final with Dallas, didn't get it. The only reason Corey Perry is playing this year is to win a Stanley Cup. He's earned 85 or $86 million in his career. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need to leave his wife and kid back home in London, Ontario. He wants to win. And he grew up as a Canadians fan. How cool is that? He talked the other day about how, how proud he is to put that sweater on every time he puts it on. Amazing. He shows it. he shows it when he goes on the ice. And I was talking earlier about Paul Byron, what a character guy he is. He never complained. Corey Perry signed here, and they said, you're going to start on the taxi squad. He said, okay, wait for my chance. That's chance. amazing. And, he and we talked about luck. I mean, it's, it's a bit of luck that he got a chance, right? Somebody got hurt. He got put in, played a few games. They took him out again. And then they realized we can't take this guy out of the lineup. We just can't. And, and he's, he has become the heart and soul of the Canadians. And we saw it again yeah. just coming out with that bloody face. I mean, that's what a, what a memory that is for those young guys, Suzuki and those guys. You were saying, now, and they're, yeah. they'll be talking about that moment. You know, yeah. remember that time when Corey took the high stick in the face, yeah. came back out, celebrated with us. I mean, that's a that's a great moment for those kids, and it just says so much about Corey Perry, uh, how much he wants to win with this team, the character he has, and just the impact he has had on this team, both on and off the ice. Stu, you were saying before that this is starting to feel like '93. For me, it's I have never seen anything like this because I really feel that it's almost a hybrid season. It feels like a mix of 86 and 93. The 86 team had 10 rookies, which were a very good blend with all the veterans and a great compliment, which I think is what this team has. The 93 team was a team that won 10 consecutive games in overtime, which this team has won every overtime game that they played this far in the playoffs. So it, it kind of feels like a hybrid, but you're right. You know, like let's take a look at that game winning goal by Josh Anderson in overtime. For Riley Smith. Defended by Petrie. Cock on the Emmy, a lead pass, knocked down by Anderson. Here's Byron right in. Anderson scores! Josh Anderson wins it in overtime. Okay, so now, how was you said the building was very, very quiet, the quietest you've seen it in a long time, but how was that building when he scored that goal? And when he did score that goal, what's the first thing you said to yourself? When he did score that goal, I thought. What would this be like if there was 20,000 people? Yeah. That sort of went through yeah. my mind. And the building was loud earlier in the game, uh, but Vegas you know, took the crowd out of the game, similar to how the Canadians took the crowd out of the game in, in Vegas the previous game. But as I mentioned earlier, this team is – there is something special. They've talked all along about how the bond they have in the room. And, you know, they always say that. They're, you know, they're never going to – Yeah, of course. Even if it is. But But – we're seeing it now. And you go back to 93, back in 93, my wife was a bartender at the Michael D's, which is a restaurant bar in Westmount. It's no longer there. And after the game, 
most of the players, a lot of the players would go there for their post-game meal. The Michael had a room set up up in top where they could be alone. And then a bunch of the guys would come down to the bar afterwards. Our wife was working the bar there. And they were, you could tell, you know, I'd pick her up after work and the guys would be there. And they were, they were like buddies. You know, they were buddies hanging out after the game. And I think there's, although guys can't go to bars anymore, or the restaurants uh, with the COVID, but I think these guys are buddies. And I think we saw it with yeah. Field and Anderson on the bench. We saw it with Corey Perry coming up. I think there's been, you know, Shea Weber, they call him dad. He's sort of the father of, of this team. Which I've never seen him play better, Stu. I've never seen him play better. And look, they're all playing great. And I have to tell you, though, I've never seen Weber play better. And Phil Deneau, my God, uh, everyone talked about him being an underrated hockey player. I don't think he's underrated anymore. I think he's a top five two-way centerman in the National Hockey League on everyone's list. Well, I finished sixth in the Selkie voting, and that might even be low. But Shea Weber, I'm watching the game last night. I was saying to myself, has he, got, has he ever got off the ice? Like, it seemed like he was on the ice the whole game. Like, he, he ended up with 31 minutes, I think. But it looked like he was on the ice the whole game. He's obviously, you know, Petrie is not 100%. And so you want to know how he's playing? Defensively, he's playing like among the most reliable, steady defensive defensemen in the league. If there was an award for the best defensive defenseman, I'm telling you, and if it was just given in the playoffs, that's how good he's playing. Well, we're talking about Corey Perry before telling players, the young guys, you know, don't take this for granted. You never know if he'll be back. Shea Weber's been in the league 16 years. This is the first time he's ever been in the Stanley Cup semifinals. He knows that. He realizes this is probably his last chance to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And, and credit to him, he, he knows his limitations. Uh, you know, he's not the fastest guy out there, but, God, he's so good at keeping guys to the outside. He's, he's not laying the huge hits, but he's, he's playing strong against the boards. Edmondson also. Edmondson, man, what a big, strong man. Amazing. Amazing. I, I thought Weber last night might have been his best game as a Canadian. It was also nice to see him come to Suzuki's defense after he took that big hit at center ice. Uh, he was mad. Like that was as angry as I've seen Shea Weber yeah. uh, in the playoffs. And he delivered a couple of good cross checks at the back of guys after that. Um, but Weber played fantastic. Philip Deneau, I, I, I'm a big Philip Deneau fan. I, yeah. I on the ice. He, he's an honest, honest hockey player. And it drives me crazy when people criticize him all the time. Oh, he doesn't score. He doesn't have points. No, but he knows his role. And, he, you know, we're talking about, you know, the Canes don't get this far without Kerry Price. They don't get this far without Phil Deneau. He shuts he's down. He's amazing off. at his role. He's he, amazing he at his role. He knows his role. He takes pride in it. Yeah. He get, drives guys crazy. We saw, you know, Connor McDavid go, go yeah. mad at him. He's just, he's so good at what he does. And there's not yeah. a lot of guys in the NHL who can do that. I think Canadians fans, if they didn't appreciate it already, you have to appreciate, you don't judge Philip Deneau by analytics or, stats or goals just watch them play uh, you know i tweeted last night if you're a defenseman uh you know i played defense when i was a kid and you're in philip that on your team he's your best friend every time you cough up the puck or you lose the puck in your own corner he's there yeah. every time you come around and you don't know what to do with the puck he's there he's open he's just he's such a good smart 200 foot hockey player yeah and, you know the canes are going to have to pay him to keep him because if they don't Somebody else is going to offer him money, and I still think – I think I mentioned this the last time I was on your show. I think he's upset that that news leaked about him turning down the contract yeah. in the offseason. It shouldn't have leaked. Um, then I was a class guy. He didn't deserve for that to, to get leaked out wherever it came yeah. from. You have to think it came from someone within the Canadians. But yeah. uh, 
Well, if the Kings don't want to resign him, there's a lot of other teams out there that would love to have Philip Deneau. And yeah. man, if I'm his agent and I'm watching him play in these playoffs, I'm smiling because he's, uh, you know, he's putting on a pretty good performance. I think I'm going to have to pay you to keep you too. But in the meantime, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay it forward with some Cherry Rivers. So send me your uh, address and I'm going to send you a case. This is the drink of the summer, my friend, the Cherry River hard seltzer. And it comes with uh, in different flavors. Of course, this one here that I'm sipping on is the black cherry and the cranberry. Stu Cowan of the Montreal Gazette. Thanks for joining us on the sick podcast, my man. My pleasure, Tony. Anytime. Have a good day. All right. Talk to you soon. It's now time to make a little money. Money. It's time for Sick Picks, brought to you by my bookie. His name is Cash, and his handle is I Run My Bets, and there you have it. Hold on a second. Is that new cash, or is that the same, the same 10 Gs from the other night? No, this is new cash, guys. This is cash from yesterday's plays that I gave out to everybody. Whoa, okay. What are your plays? Okay, guys, first of all, I gave out Montreal in the series future uh, two days ago. I told them they, I told you guys I think they have a good chance to win the series, plus 300, some serious value. I don't just tell you guys this blindly. I back it up with my own money. What did I do? I bet Montreal to win yesterday, plus 140, easy cash. What did I do? I gave out on the show. I gave out Philly money line. I told you guys, yeah, they're in Atlanta, hostile environment. They're down 3-2, but they're the better team. What do they do? They come out and smack Atlanta up. They go up, series tied 3-3 now. I have another pick for you guys for game seven. Game seven's tomorrow, Sunday, guys. Massive game. Hawks, Philly. Give me Philly. Minus seven. Yes, I'm going to be laying seven points. It's a lot. They're back at Philly. They're not going to blow another lead. I expect a 10-plus point blowout. Guys, we've been doing some ridiculous stuff. Clean sweep on my premium slate yesterday. Clippers plus two cash. Phillies cash. Massive parlay. Canadians, Dodgers. That's money, guys. I'm killing it right now. I need everybody to hop on. Shoot me a DM. Get involved. Find me on Telegram, guys. Shoot me a message. I'm making everybody cash right now, guys. Everybody, everybody's making cash. Even I'm making cash. Even I'm making cash. <laughs> there we go. That's what I'm, I'm talking cash. about. That's Hold what I'm talking second. about. Hold on a second. I'm making cash too. All right. Okay. Not as much as him, though. That's why he's the expert. He has run my bets. Thank you, Cash. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Google Play and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Essentia, the world's only natural memory foam mattress. Beyond organic sleep.